Westlap Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, the thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John McComb. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, uh, tonight we are talking Minnesota and all things P.J. Fleck and the Flecktones. We're going to row the boat up the Mississippi River into uh, the Twin Cities. And, oh um, boy, boys! Yeah, oh boy, <laughs> buckle up, guys! I, I think I think you know we're gonna need to make sure that Scuzz's heartbeat stays uh, relatively constant through this thing, John. Um, we got you know some <laughs> wellness checks. Um, Good luck, guys. Good luck <laughs> with that. <laughs> so before Eric's head explodes, uh, John, tell us about the Minnesota D. Okay, so. Minnesota ended up right about where we thought they would be defensively in 2018. The Gophers had significantly more talent than any of the bottom-feeding defenses in the conference, but not much in the way of depth. And some of that talent, and really a lot of it, was still a holdover from the Jerry Kill Tracy Clays era when the Gophers built a noticeably better defense than what they have right now. Now, If you wanted to put some shine on Minnesota's defense, it is very easy to find a positive narrative here. The Gophers fired coordinator Rob Smith eight games into the season. Under new coordinator Joe Rossi, the Gophers gave up 10, 24, 15, and 10 points in their final four games, which would seem to point to real improvement. In truth, though, three of those final opponents were Purdue in a blizzard, Literally a blizzard, if you watched that game. That that was not weather that even football should be played in. A Wisconsin team where the wheels had completely fallen off offensively. And a Georgia Tech team in the midst of waving goodbye to Paul Johnson and the triple option. The fourth opponent, Northwestern, scored 24 points in a game that the Cats won convincingly. So let's pump the brakes on the Joe Rossi Gophers being amazing defensively. Again, though... Minnesota had some serious players last year. To his credit, linebacker Blake Cashman, who's currently making noise in the NFL preseason, got his act together after a disappointing 2017 season and led the team with 104 tackles and 15 tackles for loss. Minnesota also got 15 tackles for loss and and 9.5 sacks out of excellent defensive end Carter Coughlin, 93 tackles out of safety Jacob Huff, and another 81 tackles out of linebacker Thomas Barber. As we predicted they would, those players separated Minnesota from the lower half of the defenses in the conference. Beyond those players, however, Minnesota didn't have much. After Coughlin, no other gopher had more than two and a half sacks. Minnesota intercepted only, wait for it, 11 passes as a team. (laughs) (laughs) And three of those were from Huff and Barber. Cashman and Coughlin, again, combined for an awesome 30 tackles for loss, but no other player had more than four and a half tackles for loss. The reloading of the Clays era is seriously tapering off. That's not great for Minnesota in 2019 because Cashman and Huff are gone now. Up front, Minnesota returns Coughlin, which is fantastic. But the rest of the line rotation is either mediocre or gone now. Notre Dame grad transfer Micah Dew Treadway is expected to start, 
But there really isn't much here other than Coughlin. There's a reason Minnesota had three lines, three solid linebackers last year, and they gave up nearly 50 rushing yards per game more than Northwestern did. Antoine Winfield Jr. is back in the secondary, and somehow he's only a redshirt sophomore. Ugh. How is that? Rea- I, I don't even understand how that's possible. So the reality is that Winfield's barely played in the past two years. Basically, he's been hurt for two straight years. Um, He missed a ton of 2017, and then he straight up injury redshirted 2018. So, Well, well, he was part of the whole, like, sexual assault. Oh, oh, we'll uh, we'll get there. All Uh, right. There's a question. So, first of all, there's a question if he can even be the player he was as a freshman, which, again, was basically two full seasons ago. And as Cus just alluded, every game he plays, he's still that one reminder of the pre-PJ Fleck era and the gross events that Winfield was, at best, peripheral to following his freshman year. Now, beyond Winfield, Terrell Smith is a solid cornerback at the other spot. And there's a really good chance that Terrell Smith uh, is going to be Minnesota's best underclassman defender this year. But again, notice I'm not saying a heck of a lot about Terrell Smith. He's fine. And fine just may be good enough for him to be the best non-Carter Coughlin player on this defense. In truth, this is a major tipping point season for Minnesota. The best defensive players on the team have been Minnesota's defensive leaders for several years now, and no one else has stepped up. It says something that if you go out and find yourself a Minnesota defensive preview from any of the notable publications, Winfield's name will be mentioned prominently because Minnesota's still dreaming of the production he demonstrated two full seasons ago. That year, he was part of a secondary that was absolutely stacked with talent, and that feels like eons ago. And in some ways, on the field and off, it was eons ago. So this is the final rodeo for Coughlin and Barber and Cabal Martin, who's also a solid starting linebacker. In other words, Rossi had that nice little finish to the season last year where the stars really aligned for him. But this is Minnesota's final chance to find other defensive playmakers on par with the players brought in before Fleck got here. Minnesota, again, was a middle-of-the-road defense in the conference last year, probably with more talent than they have going into this year. They figured to be middle-of-the-road or worse in the Big Ten defensively. Um, Again, they've got guys that all of the train wreck defenses in the conference do not have, and that keeps them above that group. But things could easily get worse from here. All right, Scuzz. <laughs> so the floor is yours, my friend. Bear with me, guys and listeners. As many of you may or may not know, I grew up in Minnesota. I did not grow up a fan of the Gophers. I do not have particularly like strong enmity for Minnesota. Um, in fact, uh, during the course of the PJ Fleck era, we have been generally hopeful for the Minnesota Gophers, um, at least in games where they're not playing Northwestern. 
However, there's nothing that has galled me more than having to turn past the Minnesota page to get to my beloved Northwestern Wildcats in the annual Phil Steele magazine this year. And as a result of all the hubbubaloo around Minnesota as a quote-unquote dark horse Big Ten West contender, it is very difficult for me to talk about the Minnesota offense without a lot of derision and judgment. (laughs) So let's dive in. Um, This offense was ninth and 10th in points and yards in the conference last year. Ninth and 10th. Yep. They started the year with walk-on Zach Anikstad at QB. Note a guy who was unable to outplay Rutgers quarterback Artur Sitkowski in high school. And Zach struggled. He really struggled once Big Ten play started. He was at or below 50% completion versus Maryland, Iowa, and Nebraska. He got hurt slash replaced in the Nebraska game. And in comes Tanner Morgan to revitalize the offense. Now, to be fair, Morgan did three things much better than Anikstad. He completed 59% of his passes instead of 51%. He completed them for some actually impressive distance, 9.2 yards per attempt versus 6.8. And he avoided sacks. Zach got sacked 15 times in five games, and Tanner only 11 times in six games. Morgan looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket and on his feet. However, here's where I feel... Lazy analysis, we'll call it, is creeping into folks' predictions for Minnesota and this upcoming season. If you look at Big Ten quarterbacks uh, by QBR last year, not just returning quarterbacks, all quarterbacks from last year, who do you think the top three are? Uh, In the whole conference? The whole conference. Not returning. Whole conference. Oh, God. Um, is Is Patterson on there? Patterson's on there. Uh, ha- Haskins is number one. Oh, right. Pa- ha- oh, Haskins, of course. Yeah. Patterson's number two. Not McSorley. Effing Tanner Morgan is number three. Uh, wow. What? By QBR, he's considered better than Adrian Martinez, better than David Blau, better than Stanley, McSorley, and Thorson. What the hell? <laughs> He threw nine touchdowns and six interceptions. He was 89 of 52. That's a 58.6 completion percentage. The reason he's rated so high is because math in QBR is stupid. (laughs) He threw at nine yards per attempt. Nine yards per attempt. That's really impressive. But he also threw half to as third as many passes as every other quarterback in the goddamn conference. And, and, against this murderer's row of defenses, Nebraska, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Georgia Tech. Two guesses as to which teams he fared worst against. (laughs) Northwestern. And Wisconsin. You're sure as shit right it was Northwestern and Wisconsin. (laughs) 6.2 yards per attempt against Northwestern, 7.8 against a really beat-up Wisconsin D. Guess what else? The Cats sacked him four times and picked him off twice. But Minnesota's the dark horse team to win the West, guys. I think, too, this is where people who've already listened to the Wisconsin pod and are saying, yeah, but Wis- but Minnesota won that game, that ought to tell you as much about Wisconsin as it does about Minnesota. So, look, look, Tanner Morgan, he might be a very serviceable quarterback. He might be Nate Stanley eventually. 
he might even be a little bit better. He has certainly stepped forward from past Minnesota phenoms like Mitch Leidner and Philip Nelson. (laughs) But the notion that he's just a lower volume version of Dwayne Haskins is laughable. How will his decision-making stack up over a longer sample size? When Iowa's defensive line is howling after him, can he really do better than Anikstad's 50% completion, five sacks, and three picks? TBD, guys, row the boat! It's all right on it's all right on either side of that Iowa game. He doesn't have to play other good defensive line. Oh, oh wait, never mind. <laughs> oh my god! I, all right, so I feel a little bit better now. Um, I'm gonna calm down. I just took a, I took a drink of my my second seven percent beer of the night. Um, look, I, like outside of the QB thing, which is just ludicrous. Um, in reality, this team does have a number of other things going for them on offense, and that's primarily Mohamed Ibrahim and Tyler Johnson. Ibrahim. Ibrahim, thank you. I never pronounced that I, right. Ibra, Ibrahim. <laughs> we've we we butchered it so many times. It's oh I, Ibra, Ibrahim. Ibrahim. All right. Ibrahim was truly awesome as a freshman. Five point seven yards per carry, thousand yards rushing, nine TDs. He did struggle against strong defenses. He only averaged two point eight against Iowa and three point one against Northwestern. And I think that sums up Minnesota well. Everything I just said about Tanner Morgan comes into the statement I'm about to make. When Minnesota can't run the ball, they are in trouble. Now, that being said, they were no better last year running the ball than in prior seasons. And to that point, not just Ibrahim, but literally everybody else is back, including former starters Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks. Those guys were supposed to be the two-headed monster coming into last season. And then Brooks got injured and Smith got, like, Ibrahim ran right past him. Now, this could make for, like, some weird three-headed running back monster, and they could get in the way of each other's natural rhythm. Honestly, I think they're going to be able to run the ball just fine to the tune of four to four and a half yards per carry. This is going to be classic Big Ten offense, right? This is P.J. Flex bread and butter. They have the talent up front in the offensive line to help spring these running backs. They're going to be good at running the ball. When they run into tough defenses who are good at stopping that, that's when the problems start. Now, in the receiver core, they have Tyler Johnson. He trails only Rondell Moore in yards per game uh, in the conference last year. He plays bigger than his six foot two frame, and he had several pretty unreal unreal games last season, Iowa and Ohio State in particular. But as the year went on, just like Rondell Moore, teams focused on him more and more, and his impact was limited. He only had eleven. Uh, he had only averaged eleven yards per catch against Northwestern. He only had four receptions worth versus Wisconsin late in the year. I think teams are going to be happy this year to let Minnesota just throw to Rashad Bateman and others who just are not as explosive as Johnson. The whole receiver crew is back. Johnson's going to get his, you know, his yardage, his catches, but they're not bringing in anybody crazy here. They do have a true freshman, Namdi Adim uh, Madumir, who's listed at six foot four and 230 pounds. I mean, if that guy's legit, he's, he's nowhere to be found on the two deep, but if he's legit, like, yeah, that could maybe cause some problems, but like passing the ball again, Tanner Morgan is not going to average nine yards per attempt this season, people. So the other spot is O-line that, uh, they, they could actually get a leap here. I, 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 I could believe if I squint really, really hard, I could believe Minnesota is a contender based on their schedule. You don't have and, to, you don't have to squint very hard to see the guys on their offensive line. Yeah. That, like this, this is between the running backs and, and the O-line like That's definitely the strength of their team. So they get, they get three starters back and the two newcomers are both really solid talents. Um, and the new left tackle yeah, even played quite a bit last year. 
all of the hype and the pregame pieces. Like if you turn in pregame piece, if you tune in pregame to any Minnesota game, they're going to be talking about Daniel Faalale. He's six foot nine and four hundred pounds. <laughs> He's a massive human being. He's an amazing run blocker. He plays right tackle. You can also get around him. I watched a lot of defensive ends get around him last year. Minnesota gave up 27 sacks last year. That's five more than 22 the year before, 16 the year before that, 19 the year before that. Like, they gave up a lot of sacks last year for a team that didn't throw the ball that much. Their new right guard is similarly massive. He's six foot five and 370 pounds. They will definitely be able to run the ball to the right. They have almost 800 pounds of beef to the right of their center. But they're going to be really susceptible to the pass rush on the exact same side. Last year, their O-line was top 10 in the country. Top 10 in college football in adjusted line yards on standard downs, on their stuff rate, on overall yards. But they were in the bottom half of the country. Most glaringly, 105th on sack rate and standard downs. I.e., Sack rate in non-passing situations. Usually teams do well there. Now, perhaps some of this, like Morgan, can magically improve on the sack rate uh, by getting a full year of work. He he definitely is more nimble than, than Anikstad, and that could maybe help reduce their sack rate. But unless they get a hell of a lot better at pass blocking, I just don't see it happening. So, in summary, like this team has really good running backs. They've got depth. They've got a good offensive line, but they've got one wide out and poor pass protection and a quarterback that people are way overrating. Oh, and by the way, Zach Anikstad is now out for the season with a foot injury. So if Morgan, Morgan gets hurt, their best bet may, to move, may be to move that wide receiver, Tyler Johnson, to quarterback and just run the Wildcat all day. Wait, when, when did that happen? This, uh, like three days ago. Wow, I, I completely missed that. That's crazy. Yeah, he's out indefinitely. I mean, maybe he comes back, but like a foot injury where you're out indefinitely, that doesn't sound good. No, not not at all. So let's let's talk uh, Minnesota schedule. Um, open up the season against a South Dakota State. Uh, then they travel out to Fresno, which could be a very interesting matchup. Uh, home for Georgia Southern. Then they get their first bye week. They're at Purdue, home for Illinois and Nebraska. At Rutgers, home for Maryland. Bye week, home for Penn State, at Iowa, at Northwestern, and then finish up the year for Paul Bunyan's axe against Wisconsin. Not the most difficult cross-conference uh, you know, cross or cross-division matchups. I mean, Rutgers, Maryland, and Penn State. I mean, sure, Penn State's tough, but the other two are, are manageable at best. Um, I, I yeah, don't they know. Get, it, they, get, they get Maryland and Penn State at home, too. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah, that this is a nice this is a pretty nice schedule. It's it is especially considering that Minnesota, I mean, in case you haven't been paying attention, uh Minnesota's overall profile is so similar to the team they took the axe from last season. They're so similar. It the easiest way that I'd describe it is like it's like Wisconsin's bleeding life force and a bunch of it's just going <laughs> into the ground, but Minnesota's been able to grab some of it. It's like those two teams are super similar. And basically the, you, pro, the profile... You know what other two teams are really similar? Is, is Northwestern and Minnesota in the sense of how physical both these teams play. Well, so fair enough, right? Except... Um, Minnesota, like, Northwestern's receiver core 
much deeper than Minnesota's. If Hunter Johnson is who we want him to be, Hunter, like, you know, I can only hope that Hunter Johnson can get up to third in the conference QBR of Tanner Morgan. <laughs> top, top returning QBR man in the Big God, Ten. Not, nine Ten, TDs and six t- picks. T- Are you joking me? And it's it's like his QBR benefited because he wasn't given time to throw more picks because he only threw 150 effing passes. And our defense is more talented and way deeper than Minnesota's defense. It's not close. And it's just funny because so to, to the point that I was circling around to, Minnesota and Wisconsin are very similar right now. And that is not the statement on this big leap that Minnesota's made. Minnesota's inched up a little bit, maybe? And Wisconsin's inched down. And that's the that game, that non-poetic, wasn't exactly, you know, if you watch that Wisconsin-Minnesota game, wasn't exactly beautiful football being played out there. <laughs> and Minnesota got the axe. Well, basically what you should be thinking about is, like, Neither of those teams is exactly ferocious in the West this year. And what they both have in common is neither of them, you know, Wisconsin can at least claim, thanks to Taylor, that they can say we do one thing really, really well, and this guy's yards. But just like Minnesota, that only applied when they played teams that weren't great at defending the run. One of the things I at least look at for for Minnesota is in the first half of the season, they don't play anyone that can defend against the run, really. And that helps them. They kind of go off a cliff at the end of the season. Although there's a big difference kind of between Penn State at Penn State, at Iowa, and at Northwestern, and home against Wisconsin. I'd say if there's one good thing I could say about Minnesota, it's that they're not bad in any particular area, which definitely separates them from a bunch of the teams in the West. And they could put together a really good start to the season. I mean, their first nine games are, I mean, uh, their first eight games are certainly winnable. Um, I don't know exactly where they can end up, though. So here's something that's really interesting when you you think about the the ethos of, of last season and how people are judging teams. Like, Minnesota is absolutely benefiting from that blizzard win that you talked about john over purdue i mean that was a shock to everybody mm-hmm, right that they put up 40 on the on the boilermakers they're absolutely benefiting from the fact that they went into madison and beat the badgers handily in the last game of the year again, again that's that should tell you more about wisconsin yes it should quarterback issues um i, th- I think your point about minnesota adopting wisconsin's um mo and and physicality and approach to the game is spot on but that that transcends in other ways too like nebraska absolutely annihilated minnesota last season they scored 53 points against what was supposed to be a good defense they held muhammad ibrahim to 2.7 yards per carry on 18 attempts like they they shut down minnesota in every way shape and form but when you think about it that's minnesota coming off of hosting Ohio State, number three Ohio State. They were a 30-point dog, and they were in that game till the waning minutes when it got away from them. The disappointment, like, I, I feel like some of Nebraska's house of cards is predicated on that win along with um, 
you know, eking one out against Michigan State and and barely losing to Iowa at the end of the year. Similarly, I think Minnesota's pedigree coming into this season is again a house of cards kind of built on top of this Wisconsin win. They 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 handily took care of Georgia Tech in the bowl game. That destruction of Purdue, like the, like the the meat of their schedule. They got hammered by Maryland, Iowa, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Illinois five weeks in a row. That's a goddamn disaster. And I just, I don't know, like this this Gopher team, so one, two, three, four. That That's as many wins as I'm confident in. I guess, I guess I'll give them Maryland. I'll give them five. Here's, and here's the one weird thing too, right? I misspoke earlier when I said they don't do anything poorly. That's not true. There's like a shelf above which Minnesota cannot reach the cookie jar. And that is like any team with a run defense in the top half of the conference. Then Minnesota just can't score points. Bizarrely, one of the worst matchups for them for the year is a team whose clock they cleaned last year, Purdue's. Again, oh, yeah. I, I can't stress it enough. That game was not football. <laughs> and if you haven't, I encourage you to watch it. There's nothing that can be... They're going to go on the road this year to play a Purdue team that the one thing this team and its horrific pass defense can do is they put eight in the box. Per, Minnesota, it's going to be ten in the box. And Minnesota's defense cannot stop Purdue's offense. And that, I mean, that's just a big mismatch for them. Penn State, Iowa, I know, like, we want to give respect. You know, we want to knock wood. We are a horrible matchup for Minnesota. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been for years. And we're just a horrible matchup. We're a much more complete team than they are. We're a much deeper team than they are. And we're totally equipped to just take away the one thing they do well on offense. Let let us remind everyone, the last two times that we've played Minnesota at home, they scored zero points and zero points. Right. So, I at, mean... At Minnesota, and especially in, in you know, single-digit temperatures, and I've been at every one of these matchups for the last, what, seven years, um, the, the, the game that we lost in 2016, like, you could just see how uncomfortable Northwestern's players were on the field last year. They all, they all went out there like maniacs without their shirts on to, to start the game, including Mick McCall. God, God love him. I, I, um, I still have that image burned in the back of my retinas. It, it right, has like, not been able to go away. Like Minnesota in the last couple games of the year certainly has an advantage. I, like again, the Purdue blizzard, they, they, they hammered Nebraska two years ago in a late November game. Um, like that, that works works well for them, but it can be overcome. Like like their advantages as as more, you know, like as Northwestern plays them this year, we we get them at home. With, like certainly, we're not going to overlook them. But like to your point, John, it's a, such a good matchup for us. How the hell is this team going to win the West? I don't like it's it's I, it's lunacy. I, I'd like it's to a point, more lunacy than the, the, than the Nebraska shit. I'd like to point out too. They opened the season against South Dakota State. South Dakota State won 10 games last year. They had three losses. Two of those losses were to North Dakota State. Yeah, in the Fargo Dome. 
end in the FCS playoff semifinals. So this was an FCS semifinal team. Their, two of their losses were to North Dakota State, which is basically an FBS team, and then they lost at Northern Iowa. I'm just saying, that's a really hard FCS team. If we were playing that FCS team, we'd be terrified. Um, and then they're at Fresno State the next week. Yeah, it's not, not easy. not a great schedule. Um, their schedule does them no favors. And again, it's a little worrisome from a scheme perspective, too, the numbers you cited against Nebraska – because Nebraska was awful on defense, and that includes run defense last year. And if Minnesota wasn't able to run against them, that points to certain scheme issues and play I mean, calling issues. I mean, the, the thing is, though, they were, ama- they were amazing, uh, like, a- around that. So against, against Nebraska, they ran for, as a team, three and a half yards per carry. The week before against Ohio State, it was 5.4. The week after against Indiana, 4.5. Um, they put up 6.5 against, against Purdue. They put up four and a half against Wisconsin. Um, like they struggled, struggled against Iowa and Maryland. I, I think it's, I think it's more when there's a good run D they struggle. I, that Nebraska game, I chalk it up to a hangover from the Ohio state matchup. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, so they have that, the middle of their schedule, certainly Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland, there's certainly winnable games there, but man, when you start looking at the difficulties of the first four games and then, just the cliff they're gonna fall off in the last four games i mean i like again it's like wisconsin's a little bit different penn state iowa and northwestern are like minnesota's nightmare um, it's, it's plausible they could start seven and one it's i mean it's it's possible they could start eight and oh it's so i mean it's so nuts and again but it's this is a team that it's you can look at it two different ways you can look at it as they do nothing poorly and they're capable of running the ball well. And the other way you can look at it is against teams with decent run defenses, they do nothing well. And again, you're talking about Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue all can claim to do at least one thing quite well. And Minnesota can't really make that claim against any team that can play good. Like, and I don't mean I, that can play decent run defense. So, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. Like, I boy, I want to say that they bowl at six wins, but they're gonna need to go three and zero in a tough non-con to get there. I think. I I'll I'll give them six wins. I I I think six and six is doable. I you know, um, they lose that South Dakota State game. Like oh boy, but I like flex pretty good in in preparing his teams. You know we saw we witnessed that firsthand at Northwestern when he was at Western Michigan. Um, I you know I I think they will be pretty strong out of the gate and and sweep their non-con. And if they do that. You know, six seven feels pretty pretty doable. I I haven't been keeping track of all of our predictions, but you know, at, at some point, uh, I feel like we should go through each game by game and see if everything's adding up. Because yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, <laughs> I like. I I feel like we have one Maryland one. beating everyone and also losing to everyone, so it's like. It, yeah, we'll we'll have we'll have to go back and, and double well, check that. That's the thing though. Like Maryland's one of those teams. Every time they come up, I'm like, like Maryland, Minnesota. I'm like, eh. Either yeah, flip team the coin. Could win, I guess. It's like you know Purdue, 
you know, Purdue is just such you've got you've got the two white knuckle teams, Nebraska and Purdue. And then you've got you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all are kind of, you know, we're we do some things pretty well, but with the exception of, you know, Iowa's defensive line, across all of those teams is the only, and I include Jonathan Taylor, the only truly terrifying thing for me on either side of the ball across any of those teams. And it's just like people, I mean, you talked about the P.J. Fleck thing, Scott. I feel like people are throwing out and be like, well, P.J. Fleck, pretty good, energetic guy. They got the axe, trending upward. Yeah, let's pump the brakes. Uh... I just, that's the thing. I mean, I, the West, there's, there, this is just one more team that people are just putting up there just because. And I'm, I'm sick of it, though not nearly as sick of it as Scuzz is. Scuzz has your blood, blood Scuzz has your blood pressure. I, that was cathartic for me. Okay, good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I don't, I don't want to leave you in like a riled up mode where you might like explode a little bit later, so. Glad we were able to Scuzz, get you through I, this. I just heard that that Dabo wants to give Tanner Morgan Kelly Bryant's national oh, championship. No. Oh no, John! Why would you do that? That's not. Don't that's not even fair. <laughs> well, before we get further down that rabbit hole, let's go ahead and leave it there for Minnesota. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw to Bryant Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Uh-huh.